0: Joshua chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 9. I'm not sure how long I'm going to stay stuck on this, but I'm going to stay stuck until I feel like I need to move, if that's alright with you. <laughs> because I, it, for the last several months, I, I, I feel like the Lord is saying to me personally that I can't do things like I used to do, that, that I have to be willing to transition me. I have to be willing, rather than having this mentality of I can do it all, to I have to train others to do what I have been doing so that I can put my time into things that are more necessary and will bring greater fruit. Uh, This may sound arrogant when I say this. I don't mean it this way, but there are a lot of things I can do. My wife, she's multi-talented, multi-dimensional. There's a lot of things that she can do. She doesn't need to be working in a child care center. She has other gifts that she needs to be uh, operating in. Now, for this season, is what she needs to do and what she has chosen to do to help get this off the ground. But she and I, coming into this year, have made a conscious decision that we're going to live around this word release. And we're, go- we're going to start releasing uh, some of the things that we've had to do. To some people in the church that need to do. We've got people in this church that all they've ever done in the five years I've been here. Is just, is just consume without giving anything back into the kingdom of God. And that has to change because that's not God's plan. And here's the other thing that we've got to get in our spirit. Not everything has to flow through the church. It doesn't matter if it's announced in the bulletin or not. It doesn't matter if we have an organized ministry to do a particular thing or not. If God calls you to do something, you don't even have to call the pastor up and say, Can I do this? If God tells you to do it, go do it. A good example right now is that we've got several in our church that are ministering to the homeless. It's not organized in the sense that it happens on a particular day, every day of the week at a particular time or whatever. It's as the Lord is leading. These people are going out to the streets and under the bridges and wherever they need to go, and they're taking socks and and scarves and and soup and food and whatever. And there are many times that I don't even know that it's happening until I see a report on Facebook or somebody tells me. (laughs) That's the operation of the gifts of the Spirit in the body of Christ. And so, as we move forward as a body, we have to realize that God wants uh, release to take place in your life. I've said it, this will be the third time I've said it now, but when the pastor does what the people should do, you know, everyone uh, is damaged by that because. God wants us working together and he wants you to be released. My job is to equip you, to train you, to bring you the word of God in such a way that you will be inspired by the voice of the spirit and you'll find your purpose and your destiny and your calling and you'll begin to walk in that. And so I I, kind of wanted to, I've been waiting for this time Uh, When we extracted the young adults out from this group and put them in the back building. I've been waiting strategically for this night to come. Because you're the people that I want to talk to for the the next little bit. And it might be two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, six weeks. But I've been reading about and studying about and feeling in my spirit this whole idea of, of generational transference. In other words, we've got to take what God has done in us and we've got to transfer that into the lives of the younger generation. Now, you can cop an attitude about that and say, well, Pastor doesn't want me to do this anymore. Pastor, doesn't. no, it's not about that. We don't ever stop, but we start doing things differently so that God can begin to transfer some anointing that has resided in our lives and move that into the next generation so so I want to talk to you about that and again I don't know how long it'll take me to get through this but tonight I want to talk to you for a little bit about this idea of generational transference so let's look at Joshua chapter 1 verses 1 through 9 it says now after the death of Moses the servant of the Lord the Lord said to Joshua the son of Nun Moses assistant do you see that Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. And every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, "'Toward the going down of the sun, that shall be your territory. and "'No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, "'just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. "'I will not leave you or forsake you. "'Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people "'to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. "'Only be strong and very courageous,' And you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I wanna read to you uh, an excerpt from a book that I've been reading, and it says this If you were to go to the beach, catch a shellfish, take it home, put it in salt water, loaded on a plane and fly to Buenos Aires or San Diego, California, or even all the way to Budapest, an interesting thing would happen. In another ocean or on the other side of the world, the shellfish will open and close on the time of the tide in its home water. You can change its location, but that shellfish will not transition. It will hold to the, to, to the tide of its home. Do you know any people like that? Well, I, it's always been that way, Pastor. I've always been this way. I, I got a little bit beside myself Sunday. I was talking about people who are all the time bragging about I, I am who I am. I do not change. I have. I'm like God. I do not change. And I said, "Shame on you," because transition has to take place. If transition does not take place, then then everything simply will fall apart. It's not God's plan for everything in this. World in this time to operate as it did in the 1900s. Somebody once said, "said if uh, if the church ever operates again like 1955, the Church of God will be ready." I like that. And what they're saying is, is that we don't ever change. We 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 doing things today like we did in 1950. And so what, what the point is here is that there's there, transition has to take place. Now, there's a huge difference between change and transition. We think of them as the same, but change is different than transition. So look at the screen now. Change is, first of all, external. Change is also circumstantial and it is situational. So change takes place on the outside of us. Got that concept? It is outside of us. I just got a different car just a few months ago, and it is different. It is outside of me, and there are things in that car that work differently than they did in my other car. I still Cannot get used to not having to put the key in an ignition. There's not even an ignition in the car. You just get in, push a button. Now, what's crazy to me is, is that I owned a Plymouth years ago that you didn't have. You didn't have a gear shift. It was, it was on the. There were buttons on the on the dash. If you wanted to put it in drive, you had to push the D and it would go into drive. And then, of course, they've changed all that. So these things are external. Change is external. It is circumstantial. In other words, change can be affected because of circumstances that affect it. I mean, you may be going along in your life perfectly good and everything's wonderful. And then something happens and it changes everything. We've got a a wonderful friend that we went to college with. Her name is Marlette. And uh, she she is battling cancer right now. Just a few days ago, there was no indication of cancer in her. She, She was healthy. Everything was good. And then all of a sudden... It, it, it showed up in one of her reports, and so she's now fighting that. I say this a lot, what a difference a day makes. We don't, we don't know what circumstances will come into our lives that require change to take place. It's external, and then it is situational. So it's a similar situation. Uh, based on things that happen externally, then we have to change the way that we've done things. But now, transition is different. Transition is internal. So what what we mean by this is simply this. The way that I respond to change is what transitions me to a new place in life. The way that I respond to the things of life and where God might be uh, taking me based on the circumstances that, that are happening, the way that I wrap my mind around it and the way that I wrap my head around it is, is going to testify as to whether or not I'm willing to transition with it. Because transition is in, in, internal. Internal. So change is external, circumstantial, and situational, transition is internal. Now we go back to Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. There's a lot of change that's taking place here. The change that is taking place, first of all, is geographical. They're literally moving from one place on the planet to another place on the planet. How many of you like to move? Anybody? Some people do, most people do not like to move. They like the way things are. I I get tickled driving around town sometimes with people who have lived in an area for a long period of time. And and it's funny because I'm starting to be like this. I was with somebody just the other day and we were going down Outer Loop and they were talking about our city and I said, I know you're not going to believe this, but this entire area over here was a field. Just a few months ago, there was nothing there. And now there's a Chick-fil-A. There's a Buffalo Wild Wings. There's a Five Guys. There's a Firehouse Sub. There's a, oh, I'm about to have church up here. <laughs> now, I could have got stuck in the mud and got mad about it. Or I could say, you know, I like Chick-fil-A. Or as my granddaughter would say, Chick-a-lay. Chick-a-lay. I like it. I can, I can transition. I'm okay with it. They have a wonderful diet lemonade freeze. I mean, it's, it's just out of this world. I love it. I could just go down to chick a and just stand out front and say, I hate you. I hate you for changing. I hate it. I like the field better than you. Or I can get with the program and realize that transition can take place. Geographical. Now, not only was it geographical, but it was scriptural. That There, there were things that God intended that were taking place, and, and the way that the, 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 the law was being understood was it, they were coming into new revelation. Now, I'm not trying to suggest that the, that the scripture was being transgressed or, or changed, but they... We're getting a new understanding of eternal revelation. It was, it was coming to their minds. It's what's happening in you when you go to the Word and you do your devotion and you read a passage of Scripture that you've read a million times in your life, and then all of a sudden the light comes on and you say, Oh my goodness, I see that now. I never understood that before, but I see it now. And so that, that was one of the changes that was taking place. Generational. The, the older was having to pass on the blessings of God upon their life to the younger generation. Moses was dying. In fact, he was dead. Somebody had to step up. Who was it that stepped up? The scripture says it was Moses' assistant. They didn't go out and just elect somebody. They didn't go out and just find somebody. They found the man who had been mentored by Moses himself because he had learned under his tutelage. And so the generation was changing. And then the the nation was changing. Israel itself was changing it wasn't going to look the same ever again. How many of you know that America does not look the same as it did 25 years ago? And I've got bad news for you. It ain't never going to go back. It's a, You know, you can wish for the good old days all you want. We're never going back. But the good news is, is that God doesn't want us to go back. He wants us to go forward with his revelation and the resources that we need to be successful in these end times. I never cease to be amazed that God would trust me enough to let me live in this, in this age. I mean, you think about it. God has allowed us to be here to impact this world in a time when it most needs to be impacted for his glory. And we get that privilege. And not only was it national, but of course it was spiritual. There were things happening on the spiritual level uh, that they weren't saying. So they they had to deal with all this. So, now here's some things I want to share with you, uh, just three ideas that we need to understand. So, transition then means termination. Say, termination. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means in order to have a meaningful transition, there must be a termination of something. In order to start something new, Something old has to die. Now think about that. And that's where we bristle up. That's where, well, Why can't we just have both? You know, there are some things that that works all right. You, you can have a nice new car and at the same time have a 1959 Chevy Impala yeah. sitting in your garage. That you can get out every now and drive around and reminisce and, and, and live in that nostalgia. But if you're going to take a trip to California, you're not going to break out the 1959 Chevy. You're going to get in your Honda that'll get 30 miles to the gallon and jump in it, and you're going to take off. Why? Because transition has taken place. You won't have any cruise control in that 1959 Chevy. You might not even have any air conditioning in that 1959 Chevy. If you're going to roll the window down, you're not going to push a button. You're going to go like this for a while until you get it all the way down. It's good. It can exist beside the new Honda or the new Ford. Ford or whatever it is that you have, but, but change externally has taken place. And so we have to transition our mind to the reality that the 1959 Chevy, while it's good, it is not relevant as it once was for the world that we live in today. Everybody catch that? So it, it, it means that transition means that something has to die. Elisha got the anointing of Elijah, but Elijah had to die. He had to go off the scene. Samuel to Saul, Saul to David, Moses to Joshua. And then we could go on and on about this transition, this generational transference of the anointing of God coming from one into the life of another so that God's ultimate plan could move forward. So we see that. Now, in the midst of change, God desires to transition us, move us, and transform us to be more like Him. So when God transforms me and causes me to have to do something different then it does something spiritual in me that causes me to be more like him. So if, if I'm releasing something that I know I can do, I can go to bed at night and my mind is clear and confident because I know I did it. It's done the way I want it to be done. It's good. I don't have to worry about it. But if I handed that off to someone else and I wasn't sure if they did it exactly the way that I thought it ought to be done, I might stay awake all night long worrying about it. Do you know what I'm talking about? So what happens then is that a spiritual transition has to take place in me so that I can release something to someone else and then trust God to develop them into the individual that he wants them to be. I'm going through that right now with my son who serves on our staff and who is directing our child care center. There were a few times that I wanted to jump in and, I, and I, I, I wanted to do this and do that and whatever. And I was getting ready one day to go in and say, why don't we do this, Jonathan? And the Lord stopped me dead in my tracks and said, you leave him alone. This is not about you. This is between him and me. He said, I want you to pray for new kids to come into this daycare, but I want to hear him ask too. I want to develop him too. And let me tell you it's hard and, and he's my son. I trust him as much as I don't trust anybody in the world. But I have to trust God to do in him what God wants to do because God may do something through him that will far exceed anything that I could have taught him. And so I have to stand back out of the way and say God, you just take it. You 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 just go. You just do it. I I trust you. I'm uncomfortable as all get out, but God, I trust you. And so we we have to realize that transition sometimes is about what God wants to do in you in this season of your life. And the only way that can take place is for you to have the mindset that, Lord, I see all this transition, excuse me, this change taking place out here. And I know that it's never going to come back to the way that it once was. So the only chance that I have to survive and be successful and positive and productive is for me to transition my thinking. My daughter came by the other day, and they, they were setting up the 2240 room, and they, they wanted to put some tables up there. They wanted to, to have a coffee machine up there. They wanted to have chairs up there. They, they wanted to have some furniture up there, and she's, she's all by herself. And she said, Dad, she said, I can't get anybody to help me. She said, nobody's available. They're at work, this, that, whatever. She said, I need to get these chairs up. And I thought, I'm 30 years old. I can do that. So I picked up one of those chairs, one of those chairs that was in that prayer room downstairs, those blue chairs. I picked those babies up and lifted that chair up and threw it up over my head and set it down on the top of my head. And I was carrying that that chair like this. And I got over to the steps and I was going to go up those steps. and, And I think the Holy Ghost said, you need to rethink this plan. This is not a good idea. And so I set it back down. And long story short, she came and helped me. She got one side and I got the other side and we were able to get it up. But, but once we got the two chairs up, then there was a couch. And I looked at her and I said, babe, I just can't do it. I'm sorry. I wish I could, but I just don't have it in me anymore. Shoot, there was a day. I would have devised a way with a pulley at the top of the steps or whatever to take that that couch up those steps by myself. I could have done it. And I'm stupid enough that I would have done it. But at my age, I can't do that anymore. I can't go. And that's what Donna was saying. She's at the age and she's a very young woman and vibrant and... And, 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 and all of that, but, but she can't work from seven o'clock in the morning until six o'clock at night anymore. Every day of the week, she's not, her body's not able to do that. That I'm not putting her down. It's just that we, we change. We see all this change happening out here. And the only way that we can productively deal with that is to transition with the change. It has to happen. Now, it usually requires letting go of something that keeps us from wholeheartedly pursuing him. So so here's what I mean by that. You may be still living in the 1950s spiritually. And God is wanting to do something in you in the 2016s that can only get done when you decide to transition your mind from the 1950s to the 2016s. We can't do church like we used to do. I remember a day when on a Sunday morning, you'd just about get run over by hundreds of buses out on the road getting kids and bringing them to churches. But now with all the sexual predators that are out there and things of that nature, you see very few church buses on the road anymore getting kids and bringing them here instead ministries are going to them and they're setting up in their parking lots and they've got trucks that the side goes down and makes a stage and they do children's church in the parking lot of uh, of an apartment complex. We do things differently today than we did years ago. Why? Because change is taking place and we have to be willing to accept that and that's when transition takes place. Hey, I like the old days too. I really do. But I also realize that not everything in the old days is going to work for today. So I've made a a decision that I'm going to let God do the work in me that he wants to do. And I will transition with him. Okay, let's move on. The next thing that I want you to see, where am I here? Is that transition? I've already said that. Transition can be traumatic. Transition can be Traumatic. Because when you come to a place where your mind understands that you need to to transition because of change that has taken place. When you realize that, it's easy to panic. You guys are getting ready to have a wedding, aren't you? I've been reading about it on Facebook. Let me tell you something. Your daughter's going to get married and move out of your house. And there's not a thing in the world you can do about it. And you can threaten the young man with a shotgun and you probably already have just, you know, just for the fun of it. I mean, you you can not want it to happen all you want to, but it's going to happen. But you might as well just make up your mind that I'm going to flow with this and let God transition my mind. You know, when you get my age, you start looking at the ones that your kids married and you start some days you go, oh, my goodness. I thought I taught them better than that. But then their parents are doing the same thing, saying, why in the world did you marry one of those baker kids? They're reprobates. (laughs) Well, what is that? It's the uncomfortable Feeling the traumatic emotion that comes when change is happening and we realize that that it's never going to be like that again. And so we are forced into transitioning our mindset about it. It's, It's hard to do and it can be traumatic. Change generally leads to confusion, frustration, anxiety, and befuddlement. Could, can you believe that there would be people who would get upset and not come to church just because you moved the start time from 1030 to 10? Can, how many of you can believe that? But it happens. So, well, I can't come to church there anymore. If you're going to change the church at the time, that blows my mind. You know, change happens. So let's transition our minds. Say, so it doesn't matter if I'm worshiping the Lord at 10 o'clock or 10.30. Gee whiz. God's still God. He's still on the throne last time I checked. And we get to get to the buffet before the Baptists do. I mean, there's good in this. It can happen. Change generally leads to confusion, frustration, anxiety, and befuddlement. But the born-again believer should never experience this confusion. Because we know that the word of God is all about change and forward movement. And if God is always moving us forward, then we have to stay in a constant state of my, a mindset where transition doesn't knock us off. It doesn't, it doesn't step us back. But instead, God, wherever you're going, buddy, that's where I'm going to. I'm not concerned about the tradition of the past. I'm not concerned about the way things used to be. I'm only concerned about what you're doing in this world right now and where you're going. Because wherever you're going and however you're doing it, that's where I want to be. Don't let it be traumatic. The Hebrew word translated meditate in verse 8 means to growl like a lion. Think about that. Let me read it. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall growl like a lion on it day and night. What does that mean? Boy, when the devil comes, he's going to try to get you to disbelieve what God is saying. He's going to try to get you to discount What God is trying to do and what you have to do is stand your ground firm in the face of the devil and growl like a lion at him and say, I know you, buddy. You came to kill me, to steal from me, to destroy me, but Jesus came that I might have life and have it more abundantly. I'll growl you right out of this situation because whatever the word says, I'm going to take it and receive it and be. Believe it and walk in it yes. so just get on with your bad self devil yeah. because I, it's not going to happen now now the, the, the next thing that I want you to see where is it on my little finger pad here I've already told you that we'll move on transition requires trust it requires trust and here's what we mean by this we, let, let's just bring it down to this local church I look back across this congregation tonight, and I see people. Some of you have been here, I'm guessing now, I'm 40 years, 50 years. How long have you been here, Jack, in this church? 54 years? Who else has been here approximately that long? Anybody? 54? 50 years? 50 back there? 45 years? 40? 40. Can I see your hand? Yeah. That's a long time, guys. If we could sit around with a thermos of coffee and listen to you tell the stories about Bob May coming in here and planting this church so many years ago. And going into the bars in Oklahoma and getting people saved. And the bus ministries and all of that. Man, we'd be here for a very long time. And then it transitions and then you got pastors here like Jerry and Linda Knoll that, that pastored this church for many, many, many years. And if you had a thermos of coffee and sit and listen to their stories, they could tell you about some of the things that took place during the time they were here. There people in this place tonight. They can tell you and probably walk you right back to where the elephant is buried underneath the ground, wherever it is back there. The stories are great. The stories are great. You guys have something invested in this ministry. But I say this respectfully to you. You won't always be here. and So we have, to, we have to be willing, if we love the church, we have to be willing to allow it to transition into the hands of younger generation and we have to trust them. We don't give them carte blanche. We don't say you just do whatever you want to do, big boy, but we take them under our wing and we mentor them and we lead them in the direction that they need to go to continue the ministry of this church. Now, I I want to say this at this point right now. I am so thankful. I thank God on a regular basis for the opportunity that he has given me to pastor such a lovely group of people who are open-minded. I mean, I, this, this is a... And I hesitate to say this because somebody will come grab me by the throat when church is over. But I, I, I seldom ever have anybody, especially from this generation, come to me and say, Pastor, I don't like that. I wish you wouldn't do that. You know what I hear more often than not? Pastor, let's do whatever we need to do as long as it is backed up by Scripture. Not only to maintain this church, but to allow this church to move positively into the new generation. Because what I have invested my life in, I don't want to see it die. I'm not always going to be here and I want to see it move forward. And I know that the only way that can happen is let's get some of these young people and teach them and train them up in the way that they should go. And when we do that, this church has a good future. So oh, let me say thank you to you, because I really don't have to deal with that. I really don't. I, don't. I don't have to put time in my schedule so that you can come and sit in my office and say, I really hate that you do this, Pastor. I really don't like it. I'm really ticked off about it. I, I just don't have to deal with that around here, because we have a group of people who realize that Moses is dead. dead. And that we have a generation of people that we are are able to, to train and mentor so that they can now take what you have invested so much of your life and money and time and effort and blood and sweat and tears. And after you're dead and gone and you join the witnesses in heaven watching us, you're going to be up there saying, man, look at those kids go. Look at them go. They're winning the world for Jesus Christ. I was a part of that at one time. Now look what God is doing in them. Transition. Transition. Let's see what's next. In Hebrews chapter 13, I'm not going to deal with this tonight, but in Hebrews chapter 13, Paul encourages the body of Christ to make necessary sacrifices to please the Lord. Some of the things he talks about is to love the brethren. To show hospitality to those who are around you. To do ministry on their behalf. To honor your marriage. Why is it important for you to honor your marriage? Because younger generations are watching you. And when you testify being married for 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, it gives them the strength and the encouragement to say, hey, if they can do it, I can do it too. Those are important things. Check your character. Well, we've heard that a lot around here, haven't we? And be content. And now let's close with Joshua verse 9. It says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Listen, it's going to be okay. Number one, I believe the Lord's coming back soon. I really do. There's going to be, I really believe that it won't be too much longer, that we won't even care about this building because the Lord will have come and we're going to spend eternity with him. But if he doesn't come, we're in good hands because of people like you who are willing to say, I see the change. I'm smart enough to see the change. And I'm also spiritually wise enough to realize that I need to let God affect the transition in my mind so that this change can take place in a positive way. Now, I want to close with this, with this statement. I'm not trying to force anybody out. I'm not not going to announce something new that's going to blow your socks off next week. Trust me, I'm just saying to you that just like at a certain age you start doing wills, And you start putting uh, medical instructions together. You start thinking about I need to pay off my mortgage. I need to pay off my car. I need to get rid of all my debt because retirement's coming. And then after retirement, you know, fixed income and all that. You do all of that planning likewise as a church. If we're going to be wise, we have to look around and say that there's a day coming if the Lord tarries. When there are people who are in this room tonight that may not be here. And we have to make preparation now to make sure that this church is on solid ground when that day comes. Father, thank you uh, for for, for what you're doing in my own mind, Lord, and in my own thinking. And I do, I want to thank you publicly here for the opportunity to serve such a wonderful, wonderful group of people. I'm telling you, these people in this room are some of the finest people that I have ever had the privilege of knowing in my life. And I've known some good people. And for me to have the opportunity to work with the visionary mindset that these people have is such an exciting thing for me. Thank you for it. Lord, give us the wisdom that we need and the knowledge that we need to see this transitional time in the next few months and years as coming from your hand and leading us to that place where you want to take us. We thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen.